This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And good morning, good afternoon, welcome. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff. We're here for you, we're here for your pets. We're here to answer questions, we're here to talk. Anything you want to talk about, about your pets, of course, but maybe not. Now you can reach me here, very easy, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. But better yet, you can join us here live on Zoom. You go on to Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. So PetLifeRadio.com. Click on Shows, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And when you click on that, you will see a link left to you there. It's right there for you. Click on it, and you can join us here live on Zoom. Best for you to have your pet with you, because obviously a picture is worth a 1,000 words, a video is worth 100,000 words. So I always tell people, when you have a certain thing that they're doing, whether it's a weird sound, whether it's a cough, whether it's something, it's always best to... um, Take a video and then you can send it to me. And any of you that are doing telemedicine with your doctors or another platform other than AirVet, then you can go ahead and do the same thing. It's highly, highly recommended. You know, one thing I'm learning as I take more and more calls, I've done almost 3,000, like 2,700 calls, and you'll learn a lot. And one of the things I've learned, and uh, before we get into some of the news, is that I used to say, and which is why I've always been available for my clients via, well, back in the day, Pager. And then cell phones with my phone number. And yes, I was the stupid vet that would give their clients, his clients, my phone number. And they could reach me 24-7. Of course, my colleagues thought I was absolutely nuts. Possibly I am. But I'll tell you, it builds loyalty. And and it makes clients feel a whole lot better. And of course, from a financial standpoint, it was better for me. Because 80%, we used to say, 80% of emergencies aren't. But when you put that recording on at the end of the day, And then you call at night after hours and you get this recording. Hi, thanks for calling so-and-so animal hospital. The office is now closed. If you have an emergency, go to, and they give you the name of their local emergency center they refer you to. Well, guess what? You're in the car within two seconds and you're on your way to the emergency. You don't know that one Hershey's kiss for a 90 pound dog is like, is like nothing. All right. So you're going to go because, oh my God, my dog ate chocolate. Ah, so what happens? You go and they're going to, oh my God, are they going to take it to you? They're going to do induced vomiting. They're going to do this. They're going to put them on fluids. Before you know it, you spent $1,000 for something you didn't even need to go to the vet for. Anyway, I never really liked the newer fashion of emergency clinic. Back in my day when I started practicing, this was an emergency clinic. You got about four or five local vets. That all were friends, colleagues. We got, I got along with tons of my colleagues. There's no competition. There's plenty of business for everybody. And we would hire a veterinarian and put him in one of our facilities. And that facility would stay open. And that vet was there for what we call triage. I'm going to do what I need to do, minimal, to get to through the night. So you can go back to your respective vet, one of the five, in the morning. Now, what are emergency clinics? Emergency clinics are usually not standalone anymore. They are part of a specialty group. So what I find is happens, this dog goes to emergency. And often, because these are very well-staffed, very highly specialized places, and they have all the great equipment, which we do need on occasion, on that 20%. But interestingly, who really looks forward to working that night or at night, period? So what happens is you have these veterinarians that go to vet school, great, and they're going to do what's called an internship. 
and they want to get a lot of experience. Well, a great way to get experience is at one of these places, these specialty groups, because they have the dermatologist, they have the orthopedic surgeon, the surgeon, they have the internal medicine specialist, they have the cancer. I mean, it's, fa it's fantastic. So these young vets get a lot of really great experience, which they need. But what happens is who is going to be charged with spending that night shift from a, you know midnight to 8 a.m. It's usually one of these interns. So you know interns, they don't know a lot. They're going to learn a whole lot more. But what happens is they are so afraid that they may miss something that they are going to just really, and again, I don't blame them. I, I was in that position years ago. And well, a lot of years ago, but you want to test for everything. You want to make sure you don't want to be on your watch that something happened. So they don't have the experience. And certainly, as we know, you can be smart. You can have all the knowledge in the world. But guess what? Without experience, you have no wisdom. And to be able to get through these cases, you need to have wisdom. You need to be wise. And that only comes, that's the knowledge, with experience. So what I find is a lot of times these animals are going to these emergency facilities and they are a little bit overdiagnosed. Then what happens is in the morning, because of the fact that now that there's specialty clinic, instead of it going back to your regular veterinarian, right, it's going to go to their internal medicine department or to their surgery department. And you don't know that that's not norm. So they say, well, in the morning, we're going to have you see our specialist for this or our specialist for that. And you say, okay. Meanwhile, your own vet could have done probably most of those things, if not all. And when they do it, it's two to three X meaning times what your vet would charge. So it's created a situation that's made me very disappointed in my profession. And I think that there are, and I, it's not done purpose. I don't think they're taking advantage purposely, but these specialty clinics, that's what they do. They provide specialty care. And when it's needed, oh my God, you need them there. But because of that, they have blinders on. And what I find is that specialists don't always ask themselves, hmm, I know, I know this, but I wonder if Dr. Jones, the client's, own veterinarian can do this. Because if so, I'm going to call them and give them the option. You know, when we find out about it, the GP, after they're already back done, they come in for their routine exam. You tell them they need the dentistry and they go, doc, oh no, I can't afford it. I go, what? They go, oh, last month I had to go to that specialty clinic, that emergency clinic. Oh my God, it cost me $2,000. And I go, what would you go for? Oh, my dog ate some chocolate. Oh, really? Well, guess what? You'd have called me. I would have had that thing taken care of in no time and for a quarter of the price. So that's what's happening. So I always say veterinarians who don't provide some after hours care, I mean, real time, are making a big mistake. Ah, the entree point, now telemedicine. So what, what I find is having taken all these calls, I used to say 80, 20, 80% of emergencies aren't, but maybe 20% are. Now I'm seeing, you know what? No, it's like 90, 10. I've, of 2,700 calls, I think I've had to send, I don't know, maybe a dozen to really see their doctor's emergency clinic. And most of these things are, are, well, first of all, not emergencies or something that easily can be done at home to try first before rushing to the emergency clinic. So anyway, my soapbox, I love it because I get to talk about anything I want. So anyway, here we go. Speaking of, uh, you know, some things that we, um, you know, just to, to add to our list of uh, news and peruse. So this is interesting. You've heard, I'm sure, that the healing power of pets, my friend, Dr. Marty Becker, had a book about it. And, um, you know, it, we know the statistics are out there. Here's one, that pet cats can benefit use, benefit use with ASD. What is ASD? It's that's autism spectrum disorder. So 
you've heard that, you know, well, first of all, everyone fearing that vaccines are contributing to autism. That, so far, scientifically at least, has not been proven. Whether empirically, maybe there's something to it, I don't know. Fortunately, thank the Lord, um, my kids and grandkids, uh, none have been on that spectrum. So I don't know enough about it. But I will tell you that the scientists say that there is no link. But what we do know is how animals can help troubled kids, emotionally disturbed children. And now we're finding that cats have a basically a great effect on autistic kids. First of all, these kids showed more empathy. They found declines in separation anxiety, declines in overactivity, and bullying So after adopting a cat. So there's definitely a link there. And what's interestingly, and we, I've seen this when I do, you know, I go to hospital visits with animals, there's an instant bond. It literally happens immediately. And I think that is really, really cool. So FYI out there, if you have family, if you have friends with an autistic child, get them a cat. Make, or obviously don't get it without talking to the client parents first, but something to be discussed with the parents because this, um, this is very, and this is now becoming scientifically proven. So sadly to announce, we remember we had the big problem last year during horse racing season, especially at Santa Anita and some Southern California tracks with these horses that either were injured or had to be put to sleep, but in numbers far, you know, statistically significant more than what was normal for the industry. Already the season just opening and already two horse deaths. One was an injury. The horse had to be euthanized and the other one, the horse just died and don't know why. So uh, anyway, very sad. And, um, you know, one of my classmates in vet school uh, is a horse doc and he also is a horse trainer. And now he's entered the business world, obviously dealing with horses. And um, he has been very involved in this, uh, this investigation, not at liberty to tell me anything. And I respect that. But what I'm getting is that it is a bit foul play possibly going on. And many of these deaths could have been prevented. And it's where money took over this situation rather than the health of the horse and the well-being of the horse. And that's very sad. Also, uh, advances in diagnostic methods and um, basically in home care has improved the prognosis of cats with CKD, chronic kidney disease, as we know, well, I know, now you're going to know, and you probably do if you've had cats, that as cats age, kidney failure is probably one of the primary reasons that will ultimately be their demise. And the older the cat, the more likely they will finally succumb to kidney disease. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, different diseases have timing within the cat's chronological age. Cats don't usually get a cancer for the first time when they're 16. I mean, of course it can happen, but cancer hits earlier. Diabetes hits earlier. Heart disease hits earlier. So as they age, they've already lived through, lived past the age of those maladies. So what's left? By the time they hit like 16, 17, 18, it's usually going to be kidney. And sometimes hyperthyroidism coupled with kidney. But uh, what happens is cats that are hyperthyroid and they have an increase, what's called GFI, glomerular filtration rate. That is the amount of blood passing through the kidney and filtering all the bad things out of the kidney. I mean, out of the urine, out of the blood. And, and that gets urinated out. So you can have what looks like normal kidney function and you don't have elevations of BUN and creatinine when these cats are hyperthyroid. Because for every normal amount of blood passing through the kidneys with a normal cat, it might be twice as much with a cat with hyperthyroidism. The kidney tissue is still functioning the same, not well, but because it had an extra pass through, it was able to do its job. 
all of a sudden you come and you treat the hyperthyroidism. So now these cats are normal thyroid. The, everything is slowing down. Now the blood is going through just the one time per whatever time that is, right? And we're all of a sudden seeing these elevations of these kidney enzymes indicating kidney disease. And at first we thought, oh my God, be careful with treating your cat with hyperthyroidism because it's going to cause kidney disease. No, that's not the problem. The problem is the hyperthyroidism was masking the kidney disease. It was always there, but now it's coming to a head because of the thyroid disorder being treated. So anyway, keep that in mind. So talk to your veterinarian, early tests, there's some done, there's some tests that are being done by certain labs that have a great predictive index on kidney disease, where the B1 and creatinine could be normal, yet because of the results of these tests, we see an, a problem on the horizon predicting that these cats are going to have kidney disease. So if you can get them on special diets, change whatever you need to medication earlier, then it might help their prognosis in the long haul. Interesting also, next case, the anti-anxiety drug trazodone, I'm sure you've heard of it. They've been using it now in certain shelters. And here's why, and I think it's really cool. It reduces stress. And stress is a complicator when it comes to the immune system. As we or animals get stressed, we lose the ability. It suppresses our immune capabilities. So therefore, if we can reduce stress, then we can possibly improve their immune status, which would then help protect them against the typical diseases that we see in these dogs and shelter settings. So what some of these shelters now are doing is putting them on trazodone uh, within 48 hours of intake in the shelter. And they're finding that the number of animals getting things like distemper, parvo, kennel cough, any of these infectious diseases is reduced because their immune status is greater and uh, they are doing better. So they're not getting the same infections that they would get normally. And so uh, that's pretty cool. Before we break, I'm, uh, there's so much to talk about today. So this I like, this I like. So if you live in Florida or in Miami, more specifically, and you like attending the Heat basketball games, okay, you're going to be allowed in to the arena. However, first you have to get through a temperature test and filling out a questionnaire, but it doesn't stop there. Then you have to go to the dogs. They are actually, you are, they are, they are passing you by dogs that are trained to detect the smell of COVID-19. So don't try to mask it. You can fool a thermometer. You might be able to lie on the sheet, but you can't fool a dog who's got a nose that has 250,000 nasal receptors and they can detect the better, I think I reported this a couple of weeks ago that there was a couple of tests that showed negative, but the dog showed positive. And they thought, oh, well, the dog is being oversensitive. No, no, no. They retested the person and it was positive. So the dogs know best. So I hope you're not afraid of dogs. No, if you are, there are going to be some alternative methods, but, but you got to pass by the dogs. You, you look, you go to an airport, you go through a metal detector. Believe me, and that x-ray machine, that's probably more dangerous than walking by a dog. But you can't stop and pet them. That was, uh, that's what I do. <laughs> this is a great story. So I was in an airport, and, uh, and I'm walking. I got my ticket out of that little kiosk, and I'm walking to the gates. As I walk into the airport itself, I see this, this you know, the airport police with this magnificent dog. It was a Belgian Malinois. And this dog was beautiful. And oh, you could see so well behaved. And he was going the different direction. Anyway, I always, when I see a dog, I was in my mind saying, oh, I wish I could stop by and say hi. So as I got my ticket, now I'm walking to the gate and this cop is walking now towards me. I got my backpack. I got him walking. I got my ticket in my hand. And all of a sudden, as I walk by the dog, the dog does a U-turn 
and starts like follows me. And I'm saying, oh my God, what do I have in my bag that I forgot about? So anyway, I stop and I, I kneel down and I, I start petting this dog and he's sniffing me like crazy. And the cop comes over and he goes, you have dogs. I said, well, actually, I have five. At the time, I had five. Now I have four. And I'm a veterinarian. He goes, she knows it. <laughs> and uh, it was funny. He knew from her posturing that it wasn't the same posturing as a dog who's maybe smelling drugs or, or you know, any uh, firearms or anything. It was a dog that was just liked other dogs and liked my smell because I'm full of other dog smells. But uh, it was funny. Anyway, all these people walking by are wondering, okay, what does this guy do? What did he have in his backpack that's going to send him to jail? And all it was was uh, a wonderful bond I had with this great dog. So um, anyway, let's stop here for a few minutes and then we're going to come back and we're going to finish up my uh, questions and things that I uh, found out perusing the news. Don't go over right back here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best Dr. Jeff and stay here. We'll be back in a minute. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There's no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back here live with Dr. Jeff. And uh, just to finish out some of the news that I thought was uh, interesting to you, hopefully it is. Don't be alarmed if you pull up one day to your vet hospital and there's a line, a long line of people out there without their pets. Hmm, what's going on, you might ask? Well, Colorado started this. It's going to happen here in California. It's probably going to happen in many other parts of the country. Veterinarians are now going to be in some states allowed to give COVID-19 vaccines. You know, the dentists and chiropractors as well, all medical professionals. And uh, they're, because there's going to be such a backlog of people trying to get the vaccine, once the vaccines are ready, they were, are going to enlist veterinarians' help as well to administer the vaccines. Of course, it's going to happen at, at obviously facilities and not going to be at your vet, the vet hospital. But my sister comes in and she, she's so afraid of needles. She's looking to her side and she's you know not wanting to see what I'm doing. And she says to me, Jeffrey, she goes, just tell me when you're done. Tell me you're done. I go, Jill, I'm done already. <laughs> she didn't feel the needle go in. So um, it's gonna, you're going to feel the pinch just for a second. It just, you know, it might hurt just for a second. The sting will go. You can't do that. So we have to learn just how to do it as well as we can without having them feel anything. So um, anyway, don't worry. If, you, if you're vet, I used to give myself shots when I was out fighting my allergies when I was in vet school. And the reason I started giving myself shots is because every time I go into the student health center, the nurse was terrible. You know what? If she can hurt me, I'd rather hurt myself. And, um, and I didn't. So anyway, we're good shot givers. This is pretty gross. Maybe think about it. So in Colombia, they're using deceased pets to use to sustain life. What does that mean? That's, that's pretty cool, right? They're taking these pets and turning them into compost to grow crops and food 
to eat. And that might disturb some of you. What I found even more disturbing is that in Washington State, for example, yes, they are also using deceased animals for compost, but you can opt to have your remains used for compost. And uh, so though it is something that is legally allowed in Washington State, there are few mortuaries worldwide that offer that. So I think that might be a safe thing that you don't get it offered. So, uh, but that's when you think about it. I don't know how you look, think about it. I mean, you may as well put the remains to, to some good use. I'd have a tough time with that. But anyway, I have a tough time with cremation. So, oh, next up, this is, this is kind of a, a cute story too. So in England, a guy brings his dog in for a limp. And this dog, literally, he's got video. The dog is holding up its leg, limping. But what you also see in the video is the owner broke his ankle and is hobbling on crutches with that leg hiked up. And he sees his dog doing it almost exactly the same time he got back from his getting his cast on. So he said, okay, my dog must have hurt himself, takes him to the vet. The vet does basic stuff. It was 300 pounds, whatever that is, four or 500 bucks, whatever. And um, they come up with nothing, no palpation. In fact, the dog walks into the vet's office totally fine. So when, <laughs> one day the wife takes was the husband's at work. The wife takes the dog down to the park outside and the dog shows on video running, chasing the ball. I mean, literally having the time of his life. And what they really feel is that the dog was mimicking the owner who was sitting there hobbling with a leg up and the guy spends 300 pounds, whatever that is, only to find out his dog is totally normal. He is just hobbling up and down to uh, mimic what his master was doing, and that is hopping around. So it's an expensive lesson, but I think it's kind of amazing that we, again, we know how amazing our dogs are and how much more we realize it as we live, spend more and more time with them. And, you know, we know that dogs can understand facial expressions. It's already been shown, scientifically shown. So they can tell a sneer. They can tell a smile. They can tell a frown. So why shouldn't they notice when there is something going on physically with the body, the rest of the body? So when he sees you walking with a big limp, so he's going to put on a limp. So I think it's a cute story. And uh, they never cease to amaze me, which is kind of why I still love doing what I'm doing is because I get to learn new things all the time from our pets. And um, anyway, so so we have time for today. Thanks for joining me here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vest with Dr. Jeff. If you need to get a hold of me, if you want to talk about anything, if you'd like me to cover a subject that you're not super clear about, you can reach me at Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. And I'll be happy to uh, share your story on the air, or you can always join us live again by calling us toll free or going online and clicking on the Zoom link that's left there for you every single week. So there's no excuse for you not to join us live. And um, anyway, otherwise, have a great week, everybody. For those of you who have already gotten your COVID vaccines, I hopefully that you're, didn't hurt you. I got statistics actually from a, a colleague of mine, a, a medical doctor colleague. All the percentages of people that had some untoward reaction to the vaccine, I'll tell you, it's not very pretty. <laughs> I mean, the majority of people had something, or I should say there are some side effects, whether it's fever, headache, vomiting, soreness, that a decent percent of people have had. And interestingly, the, in most of these symptoms, the young had these problems more so than the older. So I'm hoping, because I fit in that latter category, that I won't have much of a reaction at all. But I usually don't get a reaction to these things anyway. So I'm hoping we'll, that I'll be okay. I'm getting mine today. 
All right. So we'll see you next week. Again, let me know if there's anything you want me to talk about. Otherwise, one thing I'm going to cover next week, again, I like because I have my air vet and I see so many calls, I wanted to start reporting on, on cases that I'm seeing again and again and again. Because if I'm seeing them and hearing them and talking to clients, pet owners about them, then I know that you out there listening to us here on Pet Life Radio have also experienced these things with your pets. So what you can do is learn from others. Because if you haven't experienced, I will tell you, you will. And when you do, hopefully you have a better understanding. So have a great week. We'll see you here next week. Same bat time, same bat channel here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Chow. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.